A lawyer's life is likely to look very different as the country starts to get back to work. So we, as students, need to make sure that we understand the changing attributes that employers look for in potential trainees. Hello everyone, and welcome to my podcast. I'm Muskan Fatnani, your legal catalyst, and today we will be discussing the topic of employee agility, a new but very relevant concept given the current circumstances. Today we have our very special guest, John Watkins, the director of employability in the University of Law, a profound supporter of this very concept and an exceptional mentor to thousands of students, including myself. Hi, John. How are you? Hello. I'm very well. Nice to speak to you, Muskan. You too. Uh, so just to get started, I just wanted to ask you, how was it being a student for you? And given your position as director of employability at a university, I'm sure that you're constantly surrounded by students, interacting with them, networking with them, mentoring them. So how do you think that students have changed over the years or if they have changed to begin with? Uh, well, I think there are some similarities and some differences. I think every generation has a, a different experience just in terms of uh, the way the world is at that time. Um, I went to university in the late 1980s, early 1990s. At that stage in the UK, uh, less than half of the of the, the country went to, to university, considerably less than that. Uh, it was largely uh, free at the point of delivery, um, and many people had uh, grants to support their living expenses as well. So it was a, a very different experience. Um, I think it was uh, one in which many people saw the key benefits as being uh, getting away from home for the first time, growing up, uh, gaining independence, uh, and, and somewhere further down the line was uh, the sense that you might actually get a higher education. Uh, your education was very broad, but the actual academic side of things was was not necessarily uh, the key determinant at that stage. Um, and I think uh, as time has progressed in the, the 30 years since I was at university, uh, there have been some marked changes. So certainly within the UK and across the, the globe, really, the, the attendance at university has increased. Many more people have been going. It's been seen as a place that um, you would uh, would aspire to go to coming through your earlier education. Um, a wide variety of different courses have materialized. Uh, the traditional ones have stayed, uh, accountancy, law, medicine, and the like, um, but a whole lot of new things have, have developed, some admirably um, and, and some perhaps with a, a slightly negative connotation, some of the subjects uh, that people perhaps have, have not seen as having particularly useful vocational uh, qualities and therefore perhaps uh, an excuse to go to university rather than uh, the academic learning. But certainly uh, over the last few years, certainly um, you know, as, as education has, has changed, uh, the focus has been on uh, a paid for education, first of all, within the UK at £3,000 a year, then up to 9000 and now slightly beyond. Um, and with that has come the expectation from students of being a little bit more transactional. So they are paying for a service and perhaps expecting to get it. And I think universities have responded in a number of ways. They have certainly increase the uh, academic rigor. Um, it is genuinely a, genuinely a higher education now, um, significantly more demanding on the academic front um, and, and far less a place where you would go just for the growing up experience and perhaps to live life as, uh, as a free spirit. Uh, some of that still exists, but not quite as much as previously. Uh, and departments like employability have moved from being 
sidelines that, that were perhaps uh, visited by the occasional student to being mainstream and being part of uh, the course and very much part of the student experience as coming to university is perhaps the end goal is about getting a job and building a career, uh, which is a very different scenario to how it was in my day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. I think uh, especially the point that you mentioned that students uh, pay and they want uh, they want to receive the they want to receive uh, the equivalent of how much they're paying for and uh, even the fact that you know we're like students are constantly uh, willing to adapt in order to increase their job prospects and you know that's why everything in university is constantly changing which brings us to the topic of employability so um, a fun fact is that in an attempt to gather questions for this very episode um, students uh, actually thought that the term employability was um, a typo error or that I misspelled the term uh, employability in fact, even 68% of those that I surveyed did not were not familiar with what employability really is. So, how do you think that we can differentiate employability from employability, really? Um, I think there's an element here of sort of branding and marketing. When when I first used that word um, in. Uh, the Legal Cheek Virtual Vacation Scheme, I, I was conscious that there was going to be a very large audience and I perhaps needed to say some things that were different and distinctive. And therefore, I thought, well, let's let's throw in the word employ agility. It probably isn't a, re a real world. It probably will get people slightly confused, but at least it will be a slightly different angle in which to approach the subject. Because I think, actually, I can talk about employ agility and employability in exactly the same way. It, it's not different, um, but it was suitable for that particular moment of, uh, of getting people's attention. And I think used uh, uh, the word agility, if you break it away from, from employ agility and just use agility, then being agile in this situation, I think for every single person, whether you're a student, whether you're a pupil at school, whether you're early career stage, whether you're in the midst of your career or even retired, the ability now to be more agile, uh, to deal with more unpredictable things, I think is, is key for everybody. Uh, and therefore, employ agility is simply something that really has been a hook to get people's attention uh, from which I've been able to convey many messages that I've probably conveyed previously under the employability uh, banner, but are now getting a sort of new audience and a new interest. Uh, and anything you can do to to get people to, to buy into the idea of, of thinking about their future and taking ownership for it is important. And the great thing about this situation, which has got many, many downsides, is the opportunity for people to to seize a moment and think, well, what can I do? What, what can I control? What can I actually participate in? Because there's lots of things I can't do, but let's focus on the things I can do and perhaps employ agility has been a bit of a call to arms mm -hmm. yeah I, that's a great point I think uh, that you mentioned that uh, you know students are constantly thinking of what they cannot control and uh, given the current pandemic it has put all of us in uh, a sort of an uncomfortable situation because we've had to uh, adapt so quickly and uh, so you know the thing is that our our year is going to start in less than a month, I suppose. And uh, the thing is that students are constantly trying to keep up with what's what's going to be new and what employers are going to look forward to. So um, what are some of the habits that, you know, you think that they can change or that they can enhance in order to build employee agility, especially since, like you mentioned, the pandemic has put us in a sort of a disadvantage? 
Well, I think it's uh, it's it's first of all important to recognise that the landscape has changed. That that and that's not just for students; it's also for for many employees. Um, people are working from home. People have been furloughed. People have lost their jobs. People have spent much more time with and around their family than they otherwise previously would have done. People have been restricted in what they can do. So, whilst it's really important from your perspective and from the listeners today to consider it from a student side of things, don't be be thinking it's only you that's been affected it is much broader than that and whereas in the past many people would be coming into the employment market um, ready to learn um, from a as, as good a starting point as possible but knowing that there were lots of things that further down the line they would become more expert in the landscape has changed now to a point where um, you know conversations over zoom or teams or other platforms are as new to an experienced 45 55 65 year old uh, as they are to a student who is currently at university or just leaving so actually the opportunity for both parties to learn together uh, is is a new one in many respects and I do think that again it's about one of my top tips to people is about putting yourself in the shoes of other people um, what what would I want in a future employee well yes I'd want them to, to demonstrate academic capability because the subject matter is important and it's a complex subject and I need to know that you can grasp that and grasp it quickly so that still remains important but perhaps some of the more subtle things now are, are going to be looked at with a virtual hat on so I need you to work well with colleagues I need you to engage well with um, clients I need you to be able to manage your time effectively I need you to be able to solve problems effectively but some of these things I need you to do sitting in the comfort of your own home not in the office or not round a client meeting table um, and actually you know I've previously interviewed people and thought with the right support this individual will be absolutely fantastic I'm not sure that right support is as ready to be delivered by employers they'll have to develop that attribute so perhaps the key thing for students to demonstrate is this ability to self-start the ability to be proactive to be independent because you'll need to be independent but also to be a really effective team player to be able to use virtual technology in a way that, that allows you to get the best out of working with colleagues that, that doesn't uh, substitute for the fact that working as a group round a table together has huge advantages but just accepts that that's not going to be commonplace for the short term and if you can show to an employer that actually you can perform in that environment then alongside suitable tech, uh, academics um, those are the things that are probably more important than perhaps what work experience you had a year ago or two years ago in, in a much more face-to-face -face environment mm -hmm. yeah of course and uh, like you mentioned uh, about you know having all of these qualities and you know enhancing them and making sure that they are uh, well adapted to the virtual environment as well um, so let's say I'm you know I'm an applicant and uh, I I have made myself resilient enough to be able to adapt to all these things. But how do you think uh, the best possible way would be for me to showcase this quality in CVs and in interviews and, you know, to come across as, uh, you know, the, the best possible applicant in the next coming years? Um, I, I think some of the traditional advice remains the same. So put uh, put yourself in the in the situation that you are going to be working for a particular employer. Understand their uh, way of working. So how much have they have they done from home? How much is still being office based? What are they telling on the website their clients? Um, about the support that they're offering and if they're saying you know that we're still offering a face-to-face -face service and we want you to come into the office then you'll need to be able to reflect the fact that that's the way that they want to operate and it, it obviously is part of their 
um, client building skills. If they say to their clients that you know that we're going to be operating a largely remote service, then you would change the angle of how you were going to present yourself as to being somebody who is much more capable on that front. I think what employers will will be looking for is is people who recognize that there's a lot to learn, are keen to demonstrate that they have been putting themselves out there um, and seeking that that growth um, and being able to identify particularly that question of you know what have you done over the last six months as being not just about the, the development of skills but also the attitude that you've brought with it um, and you know in terms of LinkedIn connections that have shot through the roof what have you actually done to develop those into meaningful relationships so have you just collected numbers and you can now sit there proudly with 500 more connections than you had previously or have you managed to make a hundred of those more significant connections by actually engaging with them over conversation whether it's email or in person to strengthen that relationship from perhaps one out of five for simply being a click to being two or three out of five and therefore a genuine relationship starting to develop. Mm-hmm, yeah, um, I actually never perceived it that way. I think uh, I always considered it from a very mechanical perspective in the sense that there's always an application process and we always think that that's the way to go but then like you mentioned that you know we need to make sure that they're all genuine and the fact that uh, we need to make sure that we portray ourselves that way and that actually brings me to my next point in the legal cheek panel discussion um, what you mentioned about employee agility actually caught my attention and that brought me to watch this TED talk by Felipa Dangler in mm-hmm. which she mentions the five pillars of employee agility so um, which are basically learning agility, networking, collaboration, career development, and well-being. And one thing that I have uh, learned is that these five pillars can be tied up with one source, which is technology, and something that has truly helped us through the pandemic. So speaking of the future, do you think that technology uh, leads us to a more resilient-driven world? I think it's a huge... uh asset in terms of its uh, ability to, to make the world a lot smaller. Um, we're not going to, to have the opportunity to, to fly to places uh, in quite the same way, either on holiday or on business. Um, and often business trips have taken place because the feeling was that unless you were with that person and you were shaking their hand and seeing them in their own country, that you couldn't form a relationship that was likely to be successful. So I think you know that has to be taken on board as being it existed as a problem before. It's not going to go away just because we can see the person over a screen we're going to need to be stronger in forming relationships from distance without actually meeting people so there's some skills in there and I think again you know the the future definitely has this combination of uh, technical proficiency knowing the law or the subject matter that you are the expert in but also the the interpersonal and emotional intelligence that can allow you to work with people and technology will certainly facilitate that but I don't think it will be a substitute or an alternative um, and I think we also have to bear in mind given the pillar that re- references well-being that for some people the isolation of of being Uh, at the end of a screen and not having someone to turn to to ask for reassurance or for clarification um, and perhaps their personal circumstances um, in, in a small property Uh, with difficult relationships around um, modest Wi-Fi facilities 
etc uh, etc et that actually that becomes you know very difficult to deal with and therefore some skills needed in really looking after each other and having the ability to spot that somebody uh, who you you would see you know in tears in front of you but you wouldn't necessarily be able to pick up their emotional state quite so easily dis from distance that you'll need to have the skills to be able to do that otherwise you're going to find people really struggling from a, um, a sort of well-being perspective mm -hmm. I completely uh agree with that because I mean I always thought of it as you know technology is constantly advancing and it's constantly helping humans but you know well well-being is something that um, that is different for different people and it could be an asset for some but then it could not be for others and uh, that actually brings me to uh, my next question which is about so the coming year is going to um, be different for a lot of us because classes are going to be online and uh, you know some of them are hybrid some of them are completely online so any additional advice that you would like to give our listeners in order to uh, get them into the right mindset so that we become we can boost our employee agility and become uh, you know so that we can cope with the harsh effects of the pandemic um, I think it's probably a good moment in time to to sort of just stop and, and have a real think about at least the next sort of three or four months, so leading up to, to Christmas and the end of, uh, of 2020. Um, a lot of people have sort of been caught up in the momentum of um, the last few months where things have cropped up and people have signed up for it and they've got involved in it and it's happened and then the next things come along. Um, and haven't really sort of stopped and thought, first of all, what have I really taken from those experiences? What have I improved and developed? And, and what do I need now to improve and develop because I haven't had a chance to, to get there? And how can I sort of target what I'm going to do over the next few months? Because I can't sign up for everything. Um, and there will be places, and the University of Law is a classic example, and uh, who will be offering lots and lots of things because we feel that we should be doing and we're responding to the situation thinking what is necessary and it, you're going to have to say no to some of those things because you've got your studies you've got your own personal life to look out for hopefully one or two hobbies and other pursuits that will also be in there and relationships that take time as well so you can't be engaging with absolutely everything so you need to be a little bit choosier uh, to determine what matters for you but I also think that perhaps as a as a collective unit, you know, what you're doing today and recording a podcast, lots and lots of people are doing proactive things, whether it's a blog, uh, whether it's advisory sessions, whether it's just simply reflective posts. There are lots of, of, of talented people coming through this student generation who perhaps can be flagging to uh, those in positions of influence and saying, what about this? How can we develop this? How can we improve on something else? How can we influence the the workplace to try and make sure that it is fit and appropriate for the generation coming through um, and therefore again as a sort of moment in time in a professional context be trying to, to, to pinpoint how the the next decade or so is going to unfold from a working perspective and and one of the things that I did with the legal cheek uh, vacation scheme that was following up was asking people what what were they like in in the, the future workplace um, and, and I won't go into the detailed results, but certainly much, much lower than previous generations was a sense of money being important. Money will always be important, but it certainly has been a, a main driver for lawyers in the past. And perhaps now the context of the world we're living in is saying, well, perhaps that's important, but not as important as, as some of the things we've seen around us. What really did matter to people was a sense of support for their well-being. 
um, a sense of appreciation that um, you know work is part of the broader life and life goes on in a personal context around it but most importantly they want a workplace that is diverse inclusive um, and, and, and and one that speaks of genuine equality um, and whilst there are lots of positives that have been made over the last few decades there are also a long long way still to go on that front and I think again this is a moment where perhaps the collective spirit of the next talented generation can drive change at a faster pace than would happen if it was just left to itself. Mm -hmm. That That is really insightful. I think especially that you mentioned uh, that we need to start reflecting on what we've been achieving and that, you know, the current generation is constantly uh, trying to keep up with that in relation to this. And uh, on that note, uh, to conclude this episode, I would like to ask you for, uh, you know, what is one quote that resonates with you the most and that has helped you get through the pandemic easily? Oh well, good good question. Most difficult question left left till the end. Um, I I think uh, the fact that you you are going through different waves of emotions and the fact that the boundaries have been um, broken down between weekdays, week uh, week evenings, um, weekends, um, and and therefore in in a sense you've lost that pattern of of normality from either going into to university or, or having things that you would normally have lined up for the weekends that were clearly downtime. Um, and I think some of the, the advice that's come through, particularly in the last month, as people have been able to take some breaks, the weather's been a bit nicer, many more places have been unlocked, even if it's not feasible to travel to some places, is that people have felt considerably refreshed as a result of having taken a bit of a break and just moved away from the things that have been occupying their mind for the previous few months. And, and for students, who perhaps have been you know, attending one virtual event after another to actually clear their head and just you know, relax and unwind and prepare mentally for uh, what lies in store. And for those of us who are in a work situation, again, just to allow uh, a little bit of clear space to come through. Um, and I think it again, it's, it's the, the experience of people, people who say, I've done this and this is what happened is, is so valuable. And I, I do try to listen to people and think, yeah, that could apply to me. Um, and even if it doesn't apply to me, recognizing that if it works for them, I have to accept that that's something that works for them will probably work for other people. And in my role as a leader, I've got to, to, you know, to, to build a team around me that are different and diverse and will respond in different ways. So I've got to develop the leadership skills to be able to support them and also work out what works best for me. Yes, I'm with you on that. And I, I think you're absolutely right about, uh, you know, taking a day off and, you know, uh, relaxing a bit so that we can come back refreshed and be a little more productive than we would if we're constantly attending webinars. Um, on that note, I would like to conclude this episode and thank you for coming and sharing all your insights. I've myself learned so much and I'm sure that our listeners learned a lot more about employability and how we can build it, how we can become better and uh, yeah, start the new year with um, a fresh mind. <laughs>